0: Oh, thank you, choir. Uh, that, was, that was awesome. I told Kristen, I was coming in this morning when they were practicing, doing the first run-through, and I, I felt like I was hearing an angel choir when I rounded the corner. I was like, man, they're at 11 out of 10 right now, and it's not even started. Uh, so that was powerful. That was very good to hear and be reminded of in a very powerful way. Um, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 12, Genesis chapter 12, and you may want to put a finger in Galatians 3 as well. We're going to read a couple of verses from those two different places, and um, we're going to continue the series that we've been going through since the new year, the mission of God's people. The mission of God's people, and we're really looking to answer the questions, who are we and what are we here for? Uh, Some pretty fundamental questions for life. And, and I think the answer that we're prodding you to in different ways every week is the better question is who is God and, and what is he up to, what is his mission, and how can we align ourselves with him? And that'll answer those questions. And so we're, we're a people to live with God's mission ever before us, and we're trying to carry out our part in that mission, and that should be a big part of our identity as we seek to follow Jesus. So we're going to look at these passages and we're going to ask the same questions and see what God has for us uh, this morning. Would you read with me Genesis 12, uh, verses 1 to 3? Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And then flip over uh, to Galatians 3, and we're just going to read verse 8. It says, In the scripture, this is Paul writing, it says, In the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, in other words, all the non Israelites by faith, he preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you, all the nations, or shall all the nations be blessed. So this is God's word. Let's pray. Uh, Father, there's so much about what you're up to in these verses, and there's so much that we can learn about our own purpose as, as we look at them. So, Lord, would you help, would you help us this morning to have eyes to see what you're plainly telling us. Help us to know what it would look like to live more in line with what you're doing in this world. God, we ask that you would do that. In Christ's name, amen. All right, um, many of you know, um, I think most of you know who I am. I'm Jonathan Garrett. I'm the pastor of Young Adults. Uh, Many of you know I have some young children, four of them to be exact, uh, five, four, almost to eight months. So my hands are full. I'm busy. And um, sometimes when I can look around our, our house that isn't that big and I can look in my wife's eyes and she's giving me this look of, you have to take some of them somewhere for a little bit of time and you just got to get them out of my hair. And I see that look. I know that look when I see it. And so if I ever need to run errands or anything like that, I'll I'll take the kids with me. And and sometimes I can you know have the time and the and the goodwill, I guess, to stop and get them a little treat or something along the way. But not all the time and particularly during the pandemic when we were shut down, my at the time 4 and 3-year-olds were we quite a bit of a handful and we couldn't get out of the house very much And so I started taking them on errands that in no way involved ice cream or anything like playgrounds No interest for them whatsoever And at first they were excited to get out of the house But it wasn't long before they started really having some suspicions when I would ask them to go with me Hey, you want to go? And they're like the last time we just sat in the car and you went in and got a pizza Like that's not fun and so they started asking these questions the first question they would ask as soon as they say who wants to go in the car and do something with daddy they'll say what are we doing (laughs) why does it matter just come in with me and I try to make it sound interesting oh it'll be fun. come with me and they're like but where are we going And, and I'm trying to convince them but the suspicion was too high after a couple of trips to Home Depot they were just not interested anymore and so so I had to convince them, because for them, it was unsettling. They're thinking to themselves, as a four- and three-year-old, they're like, it's not worth getting the shoes on and getting buckled in and all that if there's no ice cream at the end. I mean, what what are we doing? Where are we going? Is it going to be great, Dad? And if that if that's unsettling for a little four- or three-year-old, all the work they have to put in, they want to know if it's worth it, then it should be all the more unsettling for us. As we carry out all the work of our lives, as we do Labor day in and day out, doing everything that, that's before us, we need purpose, don't we? We need to know, what are we doing? Where are we going? How does this fit into what God's doing in the world? And so we're going to take those two questions to God in his word and see that he gives us a purpose-giving, a uh, life-directing answer. What are we doing? Here we see that we're to be spreading blessing. And, and where are we going To the nations, or as I'll say, to everybody, to everyone. Let's take those one at a time. First, what are we doing? What are we doing? To understand what is going on in Genesis 12, you have to understand the context of what's happened before that. So fasten your seatbelts. Here's a one minute recap of the first several thousand years of history Um, God creates everything. It's fantastic, it's good, it's perfect, and it's all flourishing according to his good design. He puts mankind as vice kings over all of creation. The only person they report to is God. And he says, you oversee and steward the blessing of everything. Fill the earth, subdue it, like we talked about last week. Spread out and make God's good name known. But mankind are deceived by the serpent, working on behalf of God's great enemy, Satan, and, and they believe that God's withholding something from them, so they break the only rule he gives them. They eat from a tree that they were forbidden to eat from, and it's not just a oopsie-daisy moment. It's high treason. It's rebellion against the living God. And so what happens is God comes in and curses the ground. He curses man and woman. Sin enters the world. Brokenness reigns. If you're wondering how bad it's going to be, the next chapter in the Bible, we have two brothers, Cain and Abel, and there's jealousy, and there's anger, and violence, and rage, and one brother murders the other. Next chapter. Then we have the, the vengeance of Lamech. On display, we have uh, the corruption and debauchery and sex and scandal of, of Noah and his day, and to the point that the whole world is scrubbed clean with the flood. And then it isn't a but a couple generations later, we see mankind collaborating in the middle of arrogance and insecurity to try to construct a tower. So that they won't do the very thing God's called them to do—to spread out across the earth—but they'll stay in one place, and they're creating the Tower of Babel. And everything we see in these chapters is that the fall has brought about a curse that is real. Sin is destructive and damaging, and living outside the lines of God and His ways creates problems everywhere, and is cast in that dark despairing backdrop that God does something very surprising, very surprising. He calls one man, he calls one man, Abram. In the passage we just saw, he says, Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. So from this point on, God has told you what his agenda is. He's calling one man out, and he is going to bring blessing. So from this point on, we're looking, yes, we see the corruption and the decay, the brokenness of a world where sin and rebellion have had its way, but now we're looking for God to be bringing blessing, and Paul sees that in Galatians and calls that the gospel. That's good news, right? That in a broken world, God is going to be bringing blessing He's going to be spreading blessing. And so if we're to understand how we fit into this, if we're going to understand that, that we've got to be a part of spreading blessing like Abram was, we need to understand that word blessing, right? We need to know what that word means, what all it implies. And so that's what we're going to do right now. Um, it's, it's always a good idea not to import what you think it means when you read a text if the opportunity is available to see how the authors use that word in other places in the, in the passage. So Moses has written this, and, and he has written earlier in Genesis the word blessing several times. And so let's see how he uses it. I think one of the first places, actually it's the second, but it's the first really informative place that we see that word is the passage we talked about last week. God creates man and woman in his image, and then he blesses them and says, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. And so at least one thing blessing must mean is when God enables his creation and his people to be fertile, fruitful, to grow, and to flourish, right? When order is brought to chaos, when beautiful things are made, uh, when wise policies are enacted, when quality work is done, that is blessing. When God uh, fills, <laughs> fills the vats, so to speak, when you have a lot of, of possessions that God blesses you with, that's blessing. These are the things of blessing. And, and, and we see that in that passage. That, that tells us that that's what blessing means, at least partly. But we know that isn't all of it, right? Because a man can become immensely wealthy and and yet have brokenness in all of his relationships, his family's fallen apart, and he he treats people like garbage. And you wouldn't call call him well uh, call him blessed, would you? I mean, he's experiencing flourishing in some areas, but there's more to it than that. And that's what Genesis says as well. The next place we see blessing, is God blessing the Sabbath. What is the Sabbath? But a day that is set aside for the focused worship of God, your relationship with him is focused on in the midst of God's people with others that way, horizontally. So the vertical relationships and horizontal relationships also are a part of blessing. If these are thriving, you're experiencing the blessing of God. So so we have to to know that relationships are just as important as the flourishing of the work of our hands. Now, we can learn a lot about how relationships with God work with this passage. We see Abram right here. What does Abram do that makes him so desirous of God to, to get into a relationship with him? What, what awesomeness has Abram displayed that makes God want to be in a relationship with him? Nothing. Nothing. You see that, right? There's nothing. There's no mention of Abram, and then all of a sudden it's just the Lord calling him and entering into a relationship with him. All Abram ever did was live in a town called Ur, which is about an hour south of Baghdad, Iraq, and he worshipped pagan gods, most likely, and there's no indication that he was any different from the people there. And yet God initiates and pursues him. And that's how it is with us. If you're in a relationship with God, it's because God initiated and pursued you before you ever knew of him. That's the beautiful truth, is God always does the initiating. But we also see with Abram, there's obedience that's asked and required, right? Right? God says, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you. So if Abram's to stay in the place of blessing and to carry out the work of spreading the blessing, he has to be obedient to what God's called him to. That's going to be a big part of it is his obedience, his leaning in to this relationship that God has initiated with him, And that's true for us as well. We've, we've been brought into a relationship. If you are in Christ, if your faith is in Christ, you have a relationship with God. You have it, but you're always called to lean in. You're called to lean in. Well, what does it look like to lean in? Well, I think in any relationship, you want to talk with the other person, you want to get to know them and what excites them and, and drives them and, and their passions. And I think with God and Christ, that's true too. And the way you find out those things is by spending time in the Word. You spend time letting God speak to you in his Word, and in doing so, you're learning about God, what makes him tick, what, gets, what he gets excited about, what he hates And in all of these stories and in the big story, you're familiarizing yourself and and centering your life upon this relationship that you have with him, right? Now, it isn't just about picking the Bible up, throwing it open, and hoping something happens. You have to be intentional about it. Um, I think there's many, many great Bible studies that you can do. One that I would recommend, New Morning Mercies from Paul Tripp, is fantastic if you want to get started somewhere. Just reading the Word and beginning to have it have an effect on you. It's a great morning devotion, but there's so many. Ask the person next to you. They may have a great suggestion if you don't know where to get started. Um, Another thing you can do, you can be creative with this. I love this. actually eating lunch with a college student. Uh, this past week, and it was, it was so encouraging. He was telling me um, that he gets so distracted so quickly in his hurried world where assignments are due, and he has friendships, and he's participating in ministry with RUF, and just so many things going on. And, and Ryan told me that something he's done is he bought an Apple, um, I guess HomePod is what it's called. It's a small little thing you can kind of program in, calendar reminders, and things like that. He uses it as an alarm clock, And when his alarm goes off in the morning, when it first goes off in the morning, the first thing that happens is it begins reading Scripture over him while he's still in the bed. He's got programmed in Scriptures that begin to be read over him. And then worship songs that he's programmed in begin to play. Now, I was thinking how powerful that is to have God's Word washing over you before your feet even hit the ground. you're you're reminded that this relationship is the most important and primary thing that you have. And he's speaking to you before you even get distracted by your phone or busied with the assignments. I thought that was amazing. Uh, My wife, Jess, actually does something similar to that. We try to spend time in the Word together in the morning before our children wake up. And getting four kids out the door sometimes isn't all that easy. Uh, And so we'll read Scripture, and then she always plays nice, acoustic, melodic, um, little worship songs, or she even plays this new, this new playlist she has that's just scripture that's being sung to an acoustic guitar. It's really, it's really beautiful. And, and not only does that center me on our relationship with, with God and, and helps us remember the gospel and the truths of it, it also kind of uh, keeps me from straying too far away from being a blessing to my family You know, it's kind of hard to come unhinged on your two year old when he won't let you put pants on in the morning. When you have like, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Just like playing in the background. You know, you're, you're, you're wanting to get mad at this little redhead that thinks it's hilarious that you can't catch him. Because he can negotiate under tables and I can't. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, I'm going to get mad. And I, it stopped me. Just the other day, that actually really happened. And I was thinking to myself, oh, thank you, Lord, I'm a new creation. I think old creation Jonathan would um, snap his head off. <laughs> But, um, no, I, I love him, I really do. Um, but, but it's so good to be centered on your relationship with God. It's so, so important, right? And so when God says to Abram, I'm going to bless you, he means I'm going to cause you to thrive in all areas of your life, and I want you to have a thriving relationship with me as well. And you're taking that to all the families of the earth, all the families of the earth, which is the second part of our, of our sermon, and that's where are we going? Where are we going? Abram is to go to all the families of the earth. Paul, in the passage we read, it said, is going to the nations. The nations. Now, I could spend a lot of time teasing that out, but I think the long and short of it is this. We're called to go to Everyone. The universal spread of the gospel, the blessing of God, is a calling that we have to take to everyone. As a matter of fact, you know Jesus' words before uh, he ascends is, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so there's lots of different ways to say it, but we're called to go everywhere. What does that mean for us? Minimally, you're going to like this, minimally, Minimally, it means this, in all the places you're already going, in all the people you normally see, every time, you need to see it as an opportunity to spread blessing, the blessing of God. Do you hear that? All the places you're going, to all the people you normally see, every time, you need to see it as an opportunity to spread God's blessing. See, everywhere you go, we have to be intentional in thinking, what is God and his ways calling upon my life, and how can I be a blessing to these people? So where are you going? Like, where are you just already going? I can tell you one place you're already going, to the courtyard out there. When we finish, you're going to get up and you're going to walk out there. Will you be a blessing? Will you be a blessing? Will you look for the person that's hurting and, and, and talk to them and listen or the person that's lonely and, and be a friend? Um, will you encourage instead of complain? Will you, will you be a blessing there? Will you be a blessing at home? Will you look to, to take on the tasks that are given you at home? Uh, teenagers, there's not many that are on retreats. But when you're given responsibilities, are you going to own it? Are you going to own it and do it with joy? Or are you going to be a complaining person about it. That, that, will you be a blessing? When you go to work, will you use the gifts God's given you and the way he's designed you to creatively bless the places that you work and, and the customers and the company that you work for? Will you be a blessing where you go? That is what we're called to do. Whether you're an attorney or a mom or in construction or a student, whatever you are, we're called to be a blessing in all those places. But I say that's minimal Because we also must, with intentionality, go to people that are not like us, to go to places that we normally would not go. We have to extend beyond our comfort zone and what's normal for us if the gospel is going to go everywhere, right? We just have to, which means if you're uh, to get into the culture of that and to create a culture of that, we need to start going places that are uncomfortable, which means if you're a young person, maybe you need to reach to a person that's older than you and, and, and seek to bless them. Seek to just be a blessing. And, and, or maybe go to someone that's a different race than you or go to a different place than the one you live and seek genuine friendships Is there someone that lives differently than you because they're in a different uh, tax bracket, so to speak? Find that person and befriend them. Look for an unlikely friendship to bring God's blessing to someone that's just different from you. We have to do that. God's not calling us all to be Paul and to go into the places that have never heard the gospel. He certainly may be calling some of us to that, but he's... does want us to go to places that are outside of our comfort zone for the sake of spreading the blessing of God. And I'm going to argue this to you using nothing but more than logic. And here's what, here's what I mean. If this whole story started a blessing spreading, it started with one man who was an hour south of Baghdad, who moved to Israel. And now we're sitting in South Carolina knowing who the living God is and worshiping his son. Think of all the awkward, uncomfortable crossing of the lines of culture and race conversations that it took for the gospel to go from there all the way to here. Isn't that amazing? Like, Think about the millennia of faithful people that got out of their comfort zone, that endured awkwardness and, and maybe even risked their lives a lot of times to take the gospel and to spread blessing in places that they were not comfortable doing so. And if that's what it took for you here in South Carolina today to know Jesus, then how dare we just sit on it? We have to be people that can get a little uncomfortable and that can share the gospel with other people. And so that is our call. Everywhere we're already going, but also with intentionality, we're going to go to places we normally wouldn't to spread the blessing of God because he's blessed us. Now, if you hear that and you think to yourself, that feels overwhelming, I have a few words for you because um, it, it can't seem overwhelming. First and foremost, um, if that fe- you think to yourself, I'm tired, I'm frazzled, the last thing I need to do is have an agenda for every moment of my life, I get that, um, but I think one of the things we need to do is be really good at embracing rest and grace. Now, I say rest because in the Bible, when, when God gives us the cultural mandate to be fruitful and multiply, the next thing he does is give us a Sabbath. We need to be people that are better at rest, and I can, I can feel my wife like rolling her eyes from home right now as I say this because I'm not a good rester. Just not. I don't. I don't rest well physically, but I also don't rest well. Um, I don't turn things over very easily uh, to the Lord and rest in His sovereignty and His power. And we have to be people that can do that. We have to cultivate the practice of rest. Also, we need to, to rely on grace. Listen, Jesus didn't die for people that are really, really, really awesome and that they just get it right every time. Jesus came, and he died for people like you and me that say, I do want to be a blessing. I want to bless my family. I want to bless my place of work. And then by, like, Monday afternoon, you've already forgotten about it, and you chewed out somebody at your work, and you're mad, and you get home, and you realize, I've completely abandoned whatever I heard yesterday morning. That you can go right to the gospel, go right to Jesus begging for forgiveness, and it waits for you. God's not surprised when you're finite. When your capacities are low, the Bible's full of scriptures that say he knows that we're made out of dust. He knows that we're grass. He knows we're a vapor. We're gonna mess it up. And he tells us again and again that he's merciful and he's gracious and he's abounding in steadfast love and he loves to forgive. And so bring yourself to the place of grace when you fail and then ask for the power of the spirit to get back up and try to be a blessing again. Try to be a blessing again. I will say this though. Nothing can be more, more energy-sucking than living life without purpose. And nothing can put wind in your sails quite like having a supremely valuable purpose. And if you know that everything you're doing is for the work of the mission of God going forth in the world, you might find that you have more energy than you thought you would. You might find that some excitement wells up inside of you as you go to do the work of carrying out blessing to all the places God sends you. And so don't discount it because it sounds tiring. You may just find that God gives you more energy than you could ever imagine. Uh, Finally, I think the biggest hindrance to us, to, to potentially hanging us up and keeping us from being a people that that bring blessing to the world is we can tend to focus our lives in the places where we have lack, where we don't have what we need. We can think about the finances in which they were better or relationships that are broken and and wonder why they're as messed up as they are. And if we live that way, what we're doing is actually living out of a position of scarcity instead of abundance. See, people that live in scarcity People that live in scarcity, they go needing things and expecting things and being entitled to things. People that live in abundance come ready to give and to bless. And in Christ, are you not a person of unbelievable abundance? I'm not saying your life's perfect. And I'm not saying you don't have areas in your life that are hurting and and that are struggles. But Paul says in Ephesians 1 that that in Christ, he's, he's given us every spiritual blessing. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Not one or two spiritual blessings, all of them. We got the whole package of spiritual blessings. And so what are they? Do you know those things? Do you remind yourself of those things? I think the old Baptist hymn that I used to sing growing up, uh, count your many blessings. Name them one by one, count your many blessings, see what God has done, Right? Those, that's what we need to do. We need to be a people that remind ourselves of what God has done in our lives. So what has God done in your life? Have you been turned from a, a person who was an enemy of God, about to endure the wrath of God, to a member of his family, adopted in, full sonship or daughtership, and now you are called a friend of the living God? That's abundance. That's abundance. That's blessed. Um, are you a, a person that, that God has committed to sanctify, to turn more and more into the image of Christ, to bring out the most beautiful, lovely version of you? Yes, the Bible tells you that it's true of you if you're in Christ. Um, have you been given the Spirit? And has that Spirit guaranteed your inheritance? Yes, your inheritance is sure. You're going to be co-heirs with Christ. You're going to have everything that belongs to Jesus in the end of time will be yours too. Is your, is your future secure You're going to live in a sin-free existence forever. Absolutely. We have been blessed. There's thousands more that I can name. We have been blessed immensely. It is not just, it's not just a little blessing. We've been lavished with blessing by our God. And to the degree that we recognize that and experience gratitude for that will be the degree that we move out as a Blessing spreaders to all the nations. The recipe has been the same from Abraham's day all the way to now. We're blessed to be a blessing. We don't sit on it, we take that blessing to all the places God calls us to. Let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you so much. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this uh, great call to to take the ways that you've blessed us, that you've shaped us, that you've you've allowed us to be in a relationship with you. You you cause flourishing in our lives. And Lord, you call us to take that everywhere. To everyone. Lord, would you help us? Would you help us see all the opportunities that abound around us? And Lord, would you help us be a people faithfully obedient to you and your call in our lives? bringing blessing everywhere that you take us. We pray that in Christ's name, amen.